You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is the Sober Podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. You can always find the show notes, some posts, and all of my other tools over on decidedlydry.substack.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Well, hello and welcome back, you guys. Today marks episode 80. If you are pushing play on this because you listened to my previous episode where I said it was the last episode of 2023, well, you might be shaking your head and laughing because clearly it wasn't. (laughs) This is the absolute last episode of 2023, and that is because our previous episode 87 was just such an amazing conversation. Um, If you listen to that one, it was with Becca, and we had so much good stuff and such a great conversation that we went a little long. That being said, I split it into two. There was no delay in this being published, but obviously a separate episode. So (laughs) forgive me for, I don't know, kind of fibbing and saying that was the last one. I guess I should have said it was the last conversation. (laughs) All right. So just as a reminder, as we sign off for the year, I want to make sure that I just take a moment here to say thank you. Thank you for being here, you guys, for listening and supporting me, for just clicking that play button. It absolutely warms my heart to know that these conversations are reaching you. And like I said in the last episode, every time you push play, well, my friend, that motivates me to keep hitting record. True story. So really, thank you. Now, I want to remind you one more time, and I'm just repeating myself just in case someone lands on this episode and doesn't listen to the previous, but we are going to be taking a little break between seasons here at Decidedly Dry, and I will be very present and active, though, over on Substack. Substack is my website, my platform where I publish my newsletters, my journal prompts, and all my writing. It is also where you can find a library of past episodes, okay? Two years worth of great conversation and sobriety, like stories and motivation and inspiration, lots of tools. It is a great resource. Also, Substack is where I will be running my Digging Deeper with Decidedly Dry January Challenge. We'll be focusing on staying dry all of January, And for those that are kind of interested in adding another piece or two, we will be adding in a movement and a faith piece as well. All of it is optional. If you are only looking to stay dry, that is 1000% okay. Um, But if you would like to add in those extra pieces, it'll be available for those that are interested. Okay, so all that information is going to be at decidedlydry.substack.com, and it will also be linked in the show notes below. I am not going to give a big intro of Becca because I did it in the last episode. All you need to know is she is absolutely fantastic. This is the second half of our conversation. If you didn't listen to the first half, I would recommend just pushing pause and going to the previous episode, episode 87, 
which is the first half of what we chatted about. So, all right, my friends, enjoy the second half and happy, happy new year. Our culture doesn't give us the tools to do that. Right. Really, our culture did not give us mental and emotional maturity skills. They did not give us conflict resolution skills. We did not learn boundaries or communication. And what I love is Enneagram feels like a cheat, like a cheat code of like, it gives you communication. It gives you conflict. It tells you like, are your boundaries too rigid or are they too porous? Like a sponge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. My soapbox. I'm like, oh gosh, I went off. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. No, (laughs) it's so good though. I mean, so much of that. And I know so many listeners are just like nodding their head because especially in the sober community, we use the toddler as an example too. Mm. Like the, that's the voice, like the little toddler having the meltdown in the back of your head, in the back of your mind saying. Or the teenager that totally. the, because there's the toddler meltdown and then there's yeah, the teenager it's meltdown. It's getting serious. Yeah. And they're different meltdowns. But they're loud and they're yeah. convincing oh, and yeah. you want them to go away. Like you want yeah. that meltdown to be resolved. And so yeah. I really like that you pointed out, but we're adults. Yeah. You need an adult to deal with that, to yeah. solve that problem or yeah. at least figure it out, maybe not solve it, but work on it because that's the thing. And I've really kind of been honing in on that with some of the clients I'm working with where it's like, Mm. okay, don't ignore that voice. Like Mm -hmm. the easy solution to have a drink, but then you are not keeping that promise that you've set with yourself. You are not being the adult. You are not taking that conversation that's having or that meltdown and saying, what's going, what's going on? Yeah. Like what's really going on here? You know, I think I I love that you brought that in. And I think what's so fascinating is so many of us, we won't take care of the tantrum when we don't know what the problem is. And I think so many of us have shame at how little capacity we'll have. Like we'll be having a rough day and we're like, it's just a Tuesday. It's just the kids playing. And yet our bodies are like at level nine Mm -hmm. of overstimulation or overwhelm. And we don't have grace or compassion. But here's the thing. When you start inner child and inner time and inner teen healing doesn't work unless you have developed your adult self. Because that teenager and that toddler, they need a parent authority and a parent figure to come and put appropriate boundaries, mm-hmm. appropriate boundaries being that me yelling at my toddler that, okay, so this is my favorite example. A toddler <laughs> is going to throw a fit of, they're like, I don't want crust. So you cut the crust off. And then they're throwing a fit that you cut the crust off. Cause now they want the crust, right? Mm-hmm. Common scenario. Same thing with teenagers, different scenario, different kind of fit, but the same thing. I can't logic my way out with that toddler. I cannot tell them why you should not be upset that you're upset. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I get upset that they're upset. And this is what starts happening in people's heads is their bodies are upset and then their heads get really mad. So their heads are trying to tell their bodies, you're fine. Get over it. We try to like will our bodies into doing what we want. That doesn't work. Have you ever tried to look at a toddler throwing a fit and be like, you're fine. And they're like, oh, you're right. I never, or like, you know, if your team (laughs) is freaking out, you can't look at them and be like, this isn't a big deal. They love that. Like what, you know, they're going to like give you like facial middle finger, not the actual middle finger, but they're going to give you the face where, you know, they're thinking it, you know, (laughs) but it's like, 
you need the adult who is authoritative and also boundaried, but also compassionate. Oh, it's been a long, hard day. Let's go get ready for bed. Hey, this is hard. We're not in the space to talk about this right now. Right? So, Mm -hmm. oh, this is a problem we need to figure out. We don't have capacity to figure this out right now. Come give me a hug. Mm -hmm. Right? When you're parenting that part of you, when you're in relationship to that part of you, and there are two different parts. This is where I love parts work. This is a different area of my coaching, but noticing that you have different parts. You have immature parts of you and you have mature parts of you and witnessing where those two things are playing can be so fascinating of like, there's really healthy, immature parts of you that you want to bring out. Mm -hmm. And then there's immature parts of you that need to be parented, that need to be brought into, Hey, we need some boundary with this behavior. This isn't serving you. This doesn't feel good, but not doing it in the way that you're kicking yourself when you're down. Right. When my kid is struggling, I can see like, Oh, you need something, right? You don't have something you need. You don't have the support you need. You don't have the tools you need. You don't have the communication you need or heck Maybe it's just a rough day and I need to lower my expectations and me and you are going to go watch a movie right there. Yeah. Me and you are going to go take a walk because we can't solve this right now. And I think that's such a fascinating place to come to is recognizing that I am not a problem that needs fixing. I am not self-sabotaging myself. I am doing the best thing I know how to do, but mm-hmm. noticing, oh, That's 20-year-old Becca trying to do the best I know how to do. 33-year-old Becca, she knows how to do this a different way. She has a different idea how to do this. She knows more. She's more wise. She's had more life. She's had more training. She's done a lot of coaching and reading. And like she has some tools that 20-year-old Becca doesn't have. But so many of us don't want to do the deep, raw work of, understanding ourselves at that level. We just, we just want to the easy button. Yeah, we want, we do. We want an easy button. And I think what's fascinating is this is the easy button, the deep inner work to me. I'm like, oh, it's not easy and it's uncomfy, but man, does it feel way better than the other way? Right. Right. It feels so different. And I think too, building off of that, like looking at what the outcome has been, You know what I mean? Like, okay, hold on again. Let's pause. And when I react a certain way to, let's say the tantrum or the blowout or the trigger, what, what does my track record look like? You know, when I respond a certain way, is that, you know, getting me to my goal? Is that, you know, solving the problem or at least giving me an outcome that I'm proud of that I'm seeing growth in? You know, because if I yell back at my child, I mean, that's, that's a disaster. That's fuel on the fire, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing, it, is it like, it's not working. No, it's not working. And it's continuing to happen. You know, if I'm pouring that glass of wine, every time I have that urge, mm-hmm. what's that doing for me? Yeah. You know, and I think so many of us will want to shame the, having the glass of wine. Like mm-hmm. we'll stick with that example. Cause it's such a good one. Of, yeah. We'll try to shame the behavior because so many women, I'll speak specifically to that, is they don't know how to control themselves without rules or without making themselves wrong or bad. Mm-hmm. 
So instead of saying, oh, I don't have another coping skill for this, or, oh, I'm, I'm using this as a medicine and it doesn't feel good. Right. Like when I was, when I decided to stop drinking, I, at first there, you know, there was a long time where I was trying to find a really good reason not to drink. And then I remember having this revelation of, do I have any good reasons to continue drinking? Hmm. Do I like why I'm having this? Do I like what it's creating? And the answer was no. And it was like, what am I missing? By having this, right. I started realizing that I was missing out on a level of emotional and life leadership just by that one little thing. And I think what's so fascinating is I've met a lot of high functioners who use alcohol as a way to settle their too muchness hmm. instead of learning to meet their too muchness and wondering how that in and of itself is their medicine. Their too muchness is exactly what they need in that moment when they're parenting their kid. They're too big of feelings. That is their thing. It's like the very thing we're trying to get rid of is the very thing that we need the most. Hmm. My like sensitivity, right? Like that's what had me reaching for wine really is that I am very sensitive. I'm very sensitive emotionally. I'm very sensitive to to like, um, music and movement and light, like lights. This is the new joke in our household is that like, I hate the big lights. And so I'm always like only using lamps and my husband's always turning on the big lights (laughs) and I'm like, I'm melting under the big lights. And he's just like, why do you like it dark? And I was like, cause I can't like my body just wants it darker. It's too much. Or like my kids will be playing and they're happy, but I am so overstimulated by it. And I used to think something's wrong with me. I need to feel differently. And then I realized there's nothing wrong with feeling overstimulated. And I have built this capacity, like being able to be with that overstimulation without numbing it, without doling it has meant that I am less reactive. Hmm. Not because I don't get stimulated as often. (laughs) I think that's important to name, especially on days like today where like, where like I'm at the right point of my cycle that like everything just feels like too much all the time. And I used to think I need that to go away. And now I've witnessed, I can be with this. Mm -hmm. I can breathe into this. It's like labor pains. It's like, I can't make it go away. But the more that I resist it, the more painful and awful this feels. And so I've learned when I get overstimulated or when I'm feeling that conflict grab, right? Um, I was talking about, you know, how I move towards as a two, like I move towards with like people pleasing and fawning when there's conflict. I now have capacity to feel myself be grabbed by that thing. And I want to move forward, but I'll be able to just sit there and hold. Yeah do nothing. I have the capacity to move against when I need to move against to set boundaries. I've witnessed that my body doesn't need to just move towards. I also need to move against. Mm -hmm. I found that fight in my body. I found the capability to run away when I need to, to move away from when I need to, that wouldn't have happened If I kept myself in this constant state of never needing, of never letting myself get activated, 
never letting myself get triggered, never letting myself feel too much. And I did that in different ways. So good. And I've never had this conversation about lights because I am starting to think that I don't need to take a quiz, Becca, because everything you've discussed, I'm like, I am pretty certain I am a two because I am so, so, you know, fascinating is I have, but so this is the funny part though. You might really resonate with what I'm saying. And it's, and it's true that like, you could be a two. But I also have clients who could say some of the same things and they're a four and they're a four or a different number or they're a seven or they're a nine or they're a five. But then I think where it really shines light is in your relationships. So if you Mm. can't figure out what your type is and you're like, or you like get several types, go look at what the relationships are. And then you might smell yourself out a little better. That was a really weird way to say that. Smell yourself. out. I like it. I don't know if I do, but that's what happened. (laughs) I also, I also have ADHD. So some of my sensory stuff, like it might be that I'm an Enneagram too. It might like it's, but here's the thing I love about Enneagram or any, any of the work that I do. All of it is just giving language permission and choice to who I am and what I do. Right. None of like, I am not an Enneagram too. Like that's just language for how I move through the world because there's Enneagram twos who look totally different. And here's the thing, me 10 years ago looked way different as a two than I do today. Hmm. My health, what I, one of the things that we haven't talked about is understanding that like a very mentally, spiritually, emotionally mature two, it's going to look really different. And the more emotionally, mentally, spiritually mature you get, the less you look identical to your type Hmm. because you are moving out of your fixation. You are moving out of your unconscious childhood patterns of this is who I am. And this is how I move through the world. And this is how I'm safe. And you start coming into this exploration of what do I choose to be? What do I choose to fixate on? How do I move through the world? And yeah, at, at the end of the day, I still very much resonate with it too. Like I still will read the chapters or see the memes, right? Like memes are one of my love languages. And so like when I see an Enneagram two meme, I just die. Like I just, it's so funny. So funny. Like I'm going to have to send you two memes and we'll have Yay, to. Yay. I'm excited. We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> we'll but I want to make sure I'm going to circle back and just kind of um, make sure I'm understanding that correctly. So in reference or in response to what you just said, are you saying, just so I know I understood it, yeah. you know, once you really are that mature too, we'll use that as an example, say you're, you're a people pleaser, but now you have really developed and you've mm-hmm. really, you know, understood who you are. You're not going to look like that too very much because you, how do I put this? You were going to say it way better than me, but you know who you are, you know yourself better. So, you know, if you're a people pleaser, like you can set those boundaries. And so as, you know, someone on the outside, they're going to not, you know, I don't know, it's, it's not going to be as clear that you're too correct. Did I say that right? (laughs) I think you said it just fine. I think the way I would say it is you look less like the caricature of a two and it's less of an excuse of like, I am the way I am like, oh, they're an eight. They're that way. Oh, they're a five. They're that way. Oh, she's a two. So she's bad at boundaries. I coach people on their boundaries. Yeah. I I'm 
I've gotten really good at boundaries. I've gotten really good at not people pleasing, at saying no, at telling the truth. Do I still have to work at that though? Yes. It's becoming less and less my nature to people please. And yet here's the thing that's really important. When I am most tired, when I'm most out of capacity, when I'm in grief, when I'm having something happen, I'm most likely to go back to those patterns. Hmm. Those are those patterns for me to notice that like, you know, I don't think we get to a certain level of health and then we just stay there. It, it's right. going to ebb and flow. We're going to expand and contract. That's just human life. And so it Enneagram gives me a way to see, Ooh, I'm in contraction right now. I I'm in a low cycle phase. Can I still show up to my healthiest version of that? Can I witness that I'm probably more likely to people please and forget myself and I'm less likely to ask for help and I'm more likely to lie to people about what I'm, excuse me, what I'm going through. So, so yeah, in that way of, I might be a two, but I'm also learning to embody things that are more like an eight. Hmm. I'm learning to embody things that are more like a seven, right? I'm learning to use tools that are for, for, four. you know, I'm able, or when I started my business, I like saw a lot of three stuff pop up in me. Like it's, I can utilize these different parts of me and I'm not just stuck here in this caricature of a two. Mm -hmm. I become more expansive and more able to witness what else is there of me. It, it's right. less, it's less this like box of here's a two and this is my only way of being and more of a like, I'm an expansive dynamic person who can choose and move and grow and create and cultivate things in my life versus this is who I am, how I am. And this is always going to be the way I am or right. shaming or judging myself for being that thing. Right. Does that make sense? It totally did. And I mean, I, I, everything you're saying, I'm kind of putting my, you know, sober hat on or whatever, and kind of trying to mimic, you know, the sober journey with it, yeah. you know, and just how would it apply to that? And I think everything you just said made total sense because it's just that reminder that we constantly have to do the work, you know, constantly, like, does it get easier? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not like you figure this one thing out or you apply this tool and you're cured. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have people all the time that ask me, oh my gosh, Jess, you've been, you know, alcohol free for four years. It must be so easy for you now. And I'm when like, does it get easier. When yes and it... no. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is it easier? Absolutely. But that's because I have my tools in place. That's because I've done this for a while. So that sober muscle has gotten stronger. Mm. I know when I need to rest or when I need to journal or when I need to, you know, use the tools that I've worked hard to put in place, you know, to continue showing up for myself and keeping this promise, which, yeah, you know, is kind of like the Enneagram, I think, you know, just knowing yeah. that that could be a tool, you know, if that is going to help you understand, you know, how you respond to things, you know, yeah. what your personality, you know, or what things in your character might, you know, respond a certain way to, or, you know, I think that's it's, just it's, one more thing. I think we live in a culture that, and you know, a little, this is a side trail. So tell me if we need to come back. Let's go. <laughs> side quest. Becca's <laughs> going on a side quest because this topic really just, I love it. 
and then I lost it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so many people have this question of like the before and after, when am I going to be better? When am I going to feel better? They're waiting for that transformation. And I grew up in church culture where like, there was a very clear testimony. There was a very clear who you were before and who you were after. And it was a very, very shiny thing. It was like, here's this dull, awful, terrible person. And here's this pretty shiny person who everything is totally. And I think what's so fascinating is my after was always motherhood. It was always marriage. It was surely once I get there, everything will be better. And then I got there and I had everything I ever wanted. And I was like, why do I still feel so shitty? Why, why is this so hard? And then I moved the mark of like, oh, I need this healing. I need this deep work. And then I still kind of didn't feel better. And I think it, it really is this culture of before and afters Mm -hmm. of you are a terrible person and now you're better versus you are this created being who is innately wonderful and loved and worthy as you are. And also you can't be good enough. You aren't good enough, but that's not a problem. That doesn't mean you're broken. It's not because you're missing something. Mm -hmm. It's because everyone is right, but that's not hopeless. I think what's so strange is when I was finding that in my life, I was like, oh man, like there is no after that felt so discouraging. And then I felt this freedom of like, I don't have to try to outwork my humanity. I don't have Mm -hmm. to outheal what's wrong with me. I don't have to outgrow the places in me that are immature or sabotaging. Like, do I want to constantly get better and healthier? Do I want to make a beautiful impact on this world? Yes. Do I want to get closer to God and hopefully help other people see him in me? Yeah. Heck yeah, please. And I've let go of this idea that something's wrong with me now that won't be better later. And that's given me permission instead of this pressure that I have to be something that I'm not. I've realized that I can be in my after and still be in the middle of the messy. Like it's a continual thing. I'm never, I'm never going to outrun this. And so instead of thinking like that, that's a failure, I get to stop having to run. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're on this hamster wheel and we're running, running, running. And we're like, how do I get to the end? Mm -hmm. How do I get off? And I'm like, you just get off the hamster wheel. You stop thinking that you're broken and start realizing that you're treating yourself like a broken thing. Yeah. How would I treat myself if I was whole and healed? How would I live my life if I believed I was worthy? And I think that's where, you know, motherhood has been such a fascinating journey for me is because I can see it and believe it instantly for my kids. That's not hard for me. Mm-hmm. And I realized at one point that that was such a gift because if it's true for them, it's true for me. Right. And so, so, yeah, that side quest though, of just, I think the coaching industry and the therapy and the church, and there's so many places where, you know, even like weight loss and diet culture, there's so much before and afters. There's so much selling on there is, we are being sold to Mm -hmm. constantly about that one more thing that we need. That's outside of us. That one more thing that's going to finally fix us. 
And what, like, one of the things, again, coming back to like the, the, I almost said unicorn, Enneagram and (laughs) even sobriety is realizing that like, nothing's wrong with you. And also like, this is raw and this is hard and this is human. And there are ways of moving through this that feel better. Mm -hmm. There's ways of moving through this where you finally have, like, did it get easier? No, but I built capacity to hold really hard shit. Right. And now it takes quite a lot to shake me. Well, unless you count a puppy, you know, there's, <laughs> I like had all this capacity. We've gone through like some really hard shit for several years. And then we got a puppy and the puppy was the thing that had me feeling like rocking my world. It's so funny, but it's hysterical. So I told my husband, actually, we've had our dog for a while, but when we got the puppy, I was like, I, I can't do this. Like, I almost <laughs> wish we would have had yes. another baby because I could put yes. the baby in the carrier and I could go like, he is never going to figure out oh how to gosh. pee outside. Like I, gosh. I can't do this. Yeah. yeah. Me and you will have to have a vent session on our puppy. <laughs> no, but I realized that like, I don't need to be perfect. I don't right. need to outgrow these things about me. And what's crazy is that didn't, people are terrified of freedom. They're terrified of letting go of this vision of their afterworld because they think somehow that will make them less ambitious, that they'll stop Mm -hmm. trying. You know, if they believe they're a good mom, they're just going to stop showing up for their kids. If they are satisfied in their business, they're going to stop trying to grow. And I'm like, no, no, no. Here's the thing. When you stop using healing or growth or sobriety or whatever it is as your shiny object, as your after picture, you don't get rid of the permission to chase that thing. You get rid of the crushing internalized pressure that you're not already there mm-hmm. because what I see women do so often is like, they have this carrot in front of them and every time they get there, they move it. They move it. Every time you reach a milestone in business, you're going to make it bigger and you're never going to slow down to feel how fe- good it feels. Every time you reach a certain level of health or fitness or coaching or your relationship even, right? Like there's so much perfectionism in relationship, no matter how good your marriage gets, you're going to keep thinking it sucks. If you're constantly chasing this version of it, that's in the future and not the present moment. And so many of us don't know how to be with the messy and the magic Mm -hmm. that happen when we're being present, when we're feeling our feelings, when we're thinking our thoughts, when we're present with our bodies, the whole person, when the whole person is online, that's where the magic is, right? I'm writing that down. Don't mind me. Messy Ooh, and magic. We, I love that, it. That, like, <laughs> think about it. So many, I mean, we're about to Christmas, right? When we're recording yeah. this, so many women are going to spend the next few weeks creating magic for other people and never once feeling it for themselves in their bodies, never once slowing down to think about or to feel the magic. So true. What would happen if we were able to be present with the magic without gaslighting the messy, without pretending like the messy didn't exist or needing it to be gone? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about like the visual clutter, which also <laughs> happens. I'm talking about like, the human messy in our kids, the human messy in your person, the human messy in yourself. Right. It it's like expecting, it's like seeing someone with a beautiful smile and being like, I want that. And then being like, you must've gone to the dentist and done like a $500 treatment or whatever you do to get pretty (laughs) teeth. I don't know. And they're like, no, I just brush my teeth twice a day. Right. 
You know what I mean? It'd be like, we expect ourselves to like brush our teeth once and then next week we'll do it again. Or we don't do it. It's like, it's a continual work. It's a continual Mm -hmm. brushing to keep your teeth clean. That makes so much sense to us. And yet when it's a human life, we're like, when is the after? When do we feel better? And I'm like, you don't, you always have to brush your teeth. Right. But it's not a big deal. Once you get used to it, you just brush your teeth and you don't think about it. And yeah, every once in a while you forget your toothbrush when you go camping and you have to like wipe it with like a little, you know, paper towel and pretend swish with water and like hope (laughs) that it's good enough till you get home. But then you're not dramatic when you get home and you brush your teeth. Right. That's the same thing with healing or growth or sobriety or building a business or motherhood. You're never going to arrive. And once you do arrive, make sure you actually feel it. And then also realize you're going to find a new destination. Totally. That could be fun and not pressure. Mm, That gets to be exciting. Not this paralyzing. What am I doing wrong? Why am I not healed yet? Why do I not feel better? It's like, you don't feel better because you're human. You don't feel better because even if you're a really good mom, momming is hard. You don't feel good. Not because you're broken and you'll never feel good sober. It's just, you're having a bad human day. Right. And learning to just accept that. You know what I mean? Accept that. Like it's not a big deal. And no, it's normal. It is normal. normal. And I think the biggest thing, I don't know, lately I'm in this, like, uh, I, I always, um, in the car, like these lyrics will just jump out at me now. This is my new thing. Like I'll just be listening to music and I'm like, oh, that's good. And for some reason, like Macklemore is really, really hitting home lately. And my kids love it. There is a point to this story. He says in one of his songs, and I don't have it, you know, written down or anything, but something about the good old days, like this could be it right now. We could look back and like, these were the days, these mm-hmm. were the days that were the good old days, you know? And so I think the reason I'm mentioning that is like, just don't miss it. You know what yeah. I mean? Don't spend so much time obsessing over the things that A, maybe you can't change or yeah. B, accept that they are hard, figure yeah. out how to deal with it and move forward. Like keep moving yeah. forward and don't miss this because I look back on some years where I'm like, man. Like if I had only quit drinking before Mm -hmm. I had kids, you know, and, and I didn't have, I'm not going to get into my story. There was no rock bottom. There was no big problem, but I didn't like how it was serving me. You know, I didn't like that. I just needed that off switch, you know? Yeah. And long story short, I just think that if you have something you want to change right now, like, don't wait, like, just do it and know that like, it is normal to feel these big feels. And like, I'm going to totally be a big, big time loser. I didn't warn you I was going to do this, but I did write down a quote off your page that just really stood out. And I'd love to kind of end on it and anything you want to say about it. But on one of your posts, you had said, what if we started overthinking our solutions as much as we overthink the problems? And I read that and was just like, mic drop, boom, like, but seriously, like, If we just stopped overthinking, pouring that glass of wine or blank, you know, and really started overthinking about how great would my life be if I was present? How great would, you know, this new week, you know, this week of Christmas, you know, like you said, when we're recording here today, like what would Christmas be like if I, if I didn't drink, you know, and obsess over all of those benefits that you could see, you know? around the solution. So anything you want to say to that, you know, go ahead. I mean, 
first I have to name that I also love Macklemore and that those <laughs> songs are like my jam and music, yes. is such a, music is such a big medicine to me. So I love that. And I love that you chose that quote because I feel like that was the gift that Enneagram gave me. So one of the biggest ways that I first used Enneagram was in my marriage. Mm. And at first I wanted the Enneagram to show me how he was the problem, which is super cute because I really learned how I was participating in the problem. Mm. But I think what was beautiful is that it gave me, this is how I can create what I want to create because there's this like, oh, here's the problem I want to fix versus here is the kind of marriage I want to create. Here is the kind of life I want to live. Here is the kind of whatever it is that you're wanting. We so often get so focused on the problems and what's wrong with us and what's broken and what are, what is a trauma response and how this is, you know, we try to diagnose everything and I'm not, I'm not knocking that, but I'm also saying we've lost sight of what do I want? And, and how do I build that? How do I create that? And for example, in my marriage, it's like, I was, I was trying to fig, figure out the problem between us. And then I realized all I want is connection to him. And that's available to me right now, right here. It is, oh, I literally just need to look him in the eyes and say, can I have a hug? Can we take a walk together? Can we listen to music together? It was you know, the, there was all of these problems that I thought I needed to figure out how to solve or whatever the problem is that you're looking at. Why is it a problem? What is that problem? A stepping stone on the way to, because we so often spend so much time pulling weeds that we forget to water the plants. We forget to water the flowers. We forget to enjoy the fact that weeds are going to pop up. They just are. And it doesn't matter how hyper fixated you are on watching the garden to make sure they don't. And I think that's, that's where a lot of women get stuck is trying to pull all the weeds out. And it's like, have you noticed what you're growing? Have you noticed what you're already good at? What if, oh, you're struggling with your kid. Okay. We could get into what's wrong with them, but also I want you to spend the entire week looking for and telling them everything that's right about them, everything that you love about them. Because until you see that, you don't have the capacity to solve the problem and you're going to fix that problem with negatives. Mm. You're going to be watering the thing that you're trying to starve. So it's like, I'm all about deep inner work. I'm all about like boundaries and the hard work and learning self-control and all of that. But none of that matters. None of that matters if we're not also pouring life into what do I want to create? What do I want to feel? And also the biggest thing, how is that available to me right now? Right. Where, where do I feel in my body a capacity for that? Or which part of me believes that already? It's like, we'll focus on, oh my gosh, I feel so much tension in my shoulders. And it's like, how are your knees? Right. How's your stomach? How's your legs? You forget that you're this whole person and that you have this whole body and you have all of your years of wisdom, right? No matter how old you are. That's how many years you have feel right now in your body. Oh, what does that look like? What does that feel like? How do I make that even more beautiful? Right. It, it gets to be this, um, one of the coaches with, that I love working with right now, Madison Morgan, she calls it the garden of the goodness. 
guardian of the goodness. And she has, I'm trying to think of the exact quote, but it's like, what is all of this for? If you don't get to experience your liberation, what is all of this hard work for? If you're not experienced the goodness and the sweetness of life, I'm not remembering the exact quote, but it's like, mm. that's it. That's right. what that like, that's what all of this is for. It's like, why would it matter to be sober? Right. What are you missing out on? It's like, that's the real thing that we want. Yeah. We can focus on what we want instead of just what we don't want. If we focus on what we don't want, that's what we'll see everywhere. And honestly, it doesn't matter where we go. We're going to see the weeds mm-hmm. versus this, like, what am I tending to? What am I wanting to pour my life into? What do I want capacity for that kind of work? That's what gives us capacity. That's what gives us the energy because like, it is hard work sometimes. And when you're focused on what you're growing, when you're focused on the solution, when you're focused on connection and belonging or the things that you want you tap into, I've been calling it lately, like the values box of capacity. It's like, just when your body is out of capacity, just when you're in one of those moments where you're like, I can't anymore, Mm -hmm. you tap into that value and you're like, Oh, this matters more than this moment. This, this momentary discomfort, it does not matter as much in the long scheme of things, right? Like when I'm parenting my kid and I'm having one of those moments where I just feel like I can't anymore, or my body can't, or my emotions can't, I tap into that values box of like, this is like 10 minutes of discomfort. Right. For, for like laying down at the end of the night and being like, Oh my God, like, hang on 10 more minutes. Yep. 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. And then it's like, okay, how can I comfort myself in the way that I actually need? Oh, I'm out of capacity. How can I lean on another body, another person, a dog, an iced coffee. Like what is the thing that I actually need for this moment? That's how we focus on the solution. And that becomes so much, so much fun too. Yeah. I think think so too. Oh my gosh. That was so beautiful. And thank you, Becca. This was a treat. And I have a feeling that we are going to be lifelong BFFs now because we have to keep talking. I agree. (laughs) But, um, if people would like to get in touch with you, if they would like to just reach out about the podcast or see all the things that you are doing, I will of course have any and all links in the show notes. I always like point down, like people can see it below, but, um, where's the best way for them to find you? Um, Instagram is probably the easiest, but I will say too, I love genuinely connecting with people. So if they come follow me, like, please don't just creep, like send me, like, feel free to, you know, I love, I know people love to do that, but like, send me a DM and let's connect. I actually want to hear what resonated, what didn't, what questions you have. I, I like getting to know people. I like real conversations. Um, And so, yeah, I can be found on Instagram or email, or I know you're dropping like a freebie list. So if people want to do like a free Enneagram, um, just like an exploration call, I also do that just for my coaching packages too. If people wanted to see if coaching is like a thing that they'd want to do, um, I'm a big believer in finding what actually feels good and works for you. So yeah, that's a good way to get in contact. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I know that there are going to be so many nuggets that people pull from this episode and I just appreciate you taking the time. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm like, I'm loving this conversation. So (laughs) thank you. you Absolutely. 
All right, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for pushing play today and hanging with me. If you enjoyed the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. Grateful for this message and want more? Head on over to decidedlydry.substack.com. There you will find all of my writing, a library of past episodes, and an option to subscribe. That gives you access to many, many more tools for not only your sober journey, but for all areas of your amazing life. It has sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.